0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Believe in Navy Football podcast. I'm Bill Wagner, your host, longtime sports writer with Capital Gazette Newspapers and the Baltimore Sun Media Group. I've covered Navy athletics uh, for close to thirty years and football program all that time. And then I'm in, my special guests are and co-hosts are Keenan Reynolds and Eric Katani, former Navy football players, two of the greatest stars of the Triple Option era. Eric is on assignment tonight. And so it'll be Keenan and I providing the Central Florida preview. And we're going to ask our and producer, Chris Cervello, to jump in a little bit to kind of fill the gap left by Eric's absence. But Central Florida, Keenan, they're picked second in the preseason. If you believe the media pundits like myself, they're the second best team in the American Athletic Conference behind defending champion Cincinnati. What is not in dispute is that Central Florida has set the bar very high in the American athletic conference during their time in the league. They had a 12 and season in which they declared themselves the national champions. Uh, they were not, but they were at least in the conversation. And then the following year, they went actually they went 13 to 0 that year with a bowl win. And then the following year, they were 12 and one. They've been so good that two of their head coaches, Scott Frost and uh, Josh Heupel were hired away by power five schools. Frost went back to his all modern Nebraska and Heupel's at Tennessee. And, their reputation is such that to find a replacement for Hypel, they hired Gus Malzahn, former Auburn coach, who took Auburn to a national championship game, SEC championship. So you know that's pretty high uh, ceiling when you're hiring Gus Malzahn as your head coach. But another tough ask for Navy uh, Central Florida has always had a high-powered offense. You know, very talented team. They've got a bunch of B, you know, BCS transfers, like all the schools in the AAC. Keenan, why don't you give me your quick assessment? Navy is now da- up to a 16 point underdog at home. Um, Chris Avello is probably going to be betting Navy to cover, um, but like he did against Houston and won. What, what's your thoughts, Keenan? I mean, is this an insurmountable obstacle, UCF?
1: You know, I think it's just another week in the AAC, to be honest. Uh, this is kind of what the the conference has has grown to i mean when we when we got into the conference in 2015 the powerhouses were all really i mean the same teams you got Cincy, central florida was was good but they weren't as good as they they had been uh the last few years um but still good but uh, houston was powerhouse memphis was powerhouse and then you had you know maybe one or two teams that weren't very good but now as you look across to sit as you look across the aac on both sides of the house i mean any given week anyone could could get beat it's 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 really you know it's pretty impressive i think it, it's challenging some of the quote power five conferences is f- uh for like week in and week out um strength of schedule um so i think that's the first thing and i think when when, when the navy's prepping for this game I don't think they're thinking of it as like, man, these guys are so good. It's just like, Hey, we literally just left Houston, you know, Houston plays central Florida. It could go either way. We were able to compete with Houston. We can compete with central Florida. I think if you just correct, you have to correct mistakes and, and you can't have these, as we talked about last pod, you can't have these backbreaking game changing mistakes, deep in your, in your own territory, special teams, big plays. I mean, it doesn't matter who you play. If they go and play uh, Towson on Saturday, and they do some of the things that they've been doing, they'll probably lose because the keys to win are the same, no matter if you're playing the number one team or the number 128 ranked team. So I, I don't, I don't think it's insurmountable. They're going to need some breaks. They're going to need some turnovers. They got to break with the fact that they don't have to, to go against their their starting quarterback. So you, you have a uh, I think you said it was a true freshman. Um, and, uh, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't look like he's very big, so he might be more mobile. Um, and I think we've, uh, historically we've, we've struggled on defense against more mobile quarterbacks, but I think the, uh, the benefit of going against a freshman this week is coach Newberry can really pull out some more exotic looks against a more experienced quarterback who can maybe, uh, diagnose the look. And getting the right play or make the right read on a uh, on a quicker clip, you may you may not you may get caught you know red handed I guess, but I guess a young quarterback I think this is a great opportunity for the defense to confuse him, give him some funky looks, different blitzes, different coverages, com- combination coverages, it, entice him to make mistakes with with bad decisions. I think that's going to be the key on defense. On offense, um, I think if we can put the first half from last week in the two halves. We can compete. I don't I don't see it being a, a two-touchdown game if we do those things. Now that's a big if, but I think it I think that the keys are pretty simple.
0: So I'm looking here, and actually they have 21 FBS transfers. 16 of them are from Autonomy Five or Power Five <laughs> Conference Schools. So you got guys transferring down from the SEC and Big 12 and whatnot to Central Florida. So they're loaded. In fact, one of their best players, their leading rusher, Isaiah Bowser, is a transfer from Northwestern. Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the quarterback. Dylan Gabriel is a proven commodity. He's thrown for close to 8,000 career yards. He already ranks high on Central Florida's all-time passing list. He broke his clavicle in the last game. He is out. And the true freshman is named Mikey Keene. But... Brian Newberry said today he also expects to see this Ryan O'Keefe. O'Keefe has played in all three games so far. Mikey Keene's only played in one game. So I don't know. It seemed to me like Ryan O'Keefe was the backup. I don't know why suddenly they're deciding that this true freshman is where they want to go. But there is no question that Navy is in better shape going against either of these other two quarterbacks than Dylan Gabriel. Because Dylan Gabriel's legit. He's an NFL prospect, and he can sling it around. And as you mentioned, he would be able to pick up on blitzes and maybe hurt you on that. Um, so, in terms, if you're Coach Newberry, and let's say, let's just say it's this true freshman, Mikey Keene, first career start. I mean, the guy has thrown seven passes in his career. Um, doesn't even look like he's had a rush. I mean, what, what do you do to this guy, Keenan?
1: I think you just have to. You have to expect that. You know, maybe the offensive coordinator for UCF is thinking, let's keep things simple. Let's let's make sure all of his reads and his throws are in front of him. They're quick. Let's get them into a rhythm. So if I'm coming in, there's I think there's two schools of thought uh, for a new quarterback. Number one is we start taking shots. We throw deep balls. We throw play action. We take shots. We get the rust, you know, we get the rust off. We get the nerves out. We show them you could play football. Then there's another school of thought. Where we come out, we throw hitches, we throw screens, we throw slants, we throw bubbles. You know, we throw things that are really, really simple, quick read, no thinking. You've done this a thousand times since you've been playing football. Um, if I had to guess on the road, you know, who knows what Gus Miles on? I mean, he he could come out and and, and be like, we got a full clip. We're doing the entire playbook. So it's a little bit of a cat and mouse chess game because you really don't know what kind of confidence they, they may have in, in their quarterback play. I think with it being a road game, maybe you see the guy that's played more. You know, O'Keefe, I think you said his name was. So, you know, I, that's one thing. But I, I'll say this much. You made a point about uh, the transfers. And I really want to say this and kind of drive this home. I People make a big deal of the transfers, but I personally believe that it's it doesn't matter. Because the way I look at it is, you weren't good enough where you were at. Because if you were, you'd be playing. And that's just, that's just the competitor in me. Um, and I don't know, that might rub some, some cats the wrong way, but I, I truly don't care. But that's, that's how I feel. If you was good enough, you'd be playing. You know, if you got a competition at quarterback and you lose your job and then you transfer, go to another school, clearly you wasn't good enough to beat out the other quarterback. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to stink it up at your new school. Right. I mean, we've seen plenty of transfers. Justin Fields off the top of my head, uh, couldn't, couldn't beat out, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Um the guy georgia and then goes to ohio state has a great career first round pick and the other guy was like a fifth round pick so you know we see things like that happen so i can't really you know don't want to adjust too early but that's just my mindset as a competitor going into a game i really could care less what school you went to also i should say having played in the league you come across a lot of these you know Power five players. And then I often ask myself as I come across them, like, how did you go to Florida State? Like, because you're not that good. But again, that's just my competitive mentality coming out. I don't think anybody is a a cut above my abilities. And I think that's the type of mentality that I want to see Navy move to. I kind of get tired of hearing this, this narrative of everybody's bigger, faster, stronger than us. It's hard. And I've pushed. And the thing is, I've pushed the same narrative um but honestly as a competitor who cares like just get after these dudes like they they put their pants on just like us they go to class well maybe not but they you know they get in school just like us um my thing is who cares like 26 whole roster 26 players a whole roster full of players from fbs schools clearly you couldn't cut it where you was at I'm going to show you why you can't cut it here. And that's the mentality that Navy has to have as a team. That's the only way they're going to be able to be successful in this conference. You have to be some dogs every week. You have to be a dog on that field. But, you know, you can't you can't coach that. That's just a decision that has to be made.
0: So while we're talking quarterbacks, Keenan, Coach Niamatololo told us on Monday during his presser, and I think I mentioned this a little bit on our previous pod, Ty Lavatai dressed against Houston – he went through some cursory warm-ups, but then when Navy actually got into running plays on the goal line, it was only Xavier Arline and Vasai Maynard that took reps. So that told me Ty's not playing. And sure enough, coach said afterwards that he was not available. However, he is now 100%. He's back practicing fully. I was out of practice today as we taped this on Wednesday night. I was out of practice, and both Ty Lavatai and Xavier Arline were getting reps with the first team. And my question to you, Keenan, we're three games into the season, about to play our fourth, and we're still having a quarterback competition. Now, I kind of understand, you know, Coach Nehemiah said, because we asked him this, when are you going to settle on a quarterback? When someone takes the job. But –
1: As I've been saying.
0: (laughs) Well, but Xavier's played the last two games. Ty's been injured. I mean, is this a case of they don't think Ty should lose his job because he was injured or, or what? I mean, what's your take on this and are you concerned that going into the fourth game of the season, they still don't know who the starting quarterback
1: is? Uh, I think if, if X had led Navy to a win against air force, it would be his job with the way that offense played against air force with um, a bit better performance against Houston. Nobody, he still hasn't taken that job. Um, And again, as I said, And as I've experienced, a lot of times, you know, careers are made in these in these uh, service academy games. And so in a situation like this where you got a guy who had an injury, the only way that I would like be like, you're not you're probably not going to start is if the other guy who took over for you just showed a complete control over the position, over the job, over the task. And I have yet to see that while X has played considerably better, especially last week. Um, I have yet to see him just take it. And so I'm, I'm, if I'm seeing that, I'm sure the coaching staff may be feeling that type of way. And they might say, you know, oh, listen, we haven't really been great on offense. We don't really have a guy that's, you know, grabbed the job. Do we give Ty a chance now that he's healthy? Um, you know, what do we have to lose at this point, right? Why not give him an opportunity? Why not play both? I'm okay with playing both. Until somebody proves to me that they, you know, have the job, I say if I'm Coach Nehemiah, I might go. We'll put we'll start Xavier this week, and if he plays well, he plays well. We keep it moving. If we can't get anything going, if he's missing reads, making mistakes, I'm putting tie in. We need, and I'm doing it early. I'm not doing it middle of midway of, between the third quarter. I'm doing it. You know, I give you a quarter. I give you three or four possessions to make something happen. And if if I don't feel like we're doing anything, I'm making a change. You have to. You have to. There's no way we can do what we did against Air Force, where we wait until, you know, almost all hope is lost to put somebody else in back there. That that decision had to been had to have been made in the third quarter. I think it needs to be made even earlier if there isn't marketable improvement in the output on the offense.
0: Well, before I talk, I have another point I want to make on this topic with regard to Navy's quarterbacks. But before I get to that, I want to talk about our title sponsor, BetOnline.com. And Chris, uh, what is the over-under with the Navy Central Florida? I know that we're a a Navy, you know, it's opened as 15 and a half Central Florida favorite, and and now they're 16. So that means people are betting Central Florida. I can't believe people think Navy's going to lose by 16 points on their home field. They just played Houston and almost only lost by eight when they were da- favored or an underdog by 20. But, I mean, where are you going on this, Chris? Are, are As I predicted, are you a betting Navy to cover, man?
2: I, I do think Navy will will cover. I think 16 uh, is a lot of points, especially at, at home.
0: Well, let me tell you a little bit of bet online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are ready for another football season. As always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing officers offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, we are very, very happy and thrilled to announce tonight that our weekly alumni spotlight, in which we highlight former Navy football players talk about their career at Navy, their career in the Navy, and what they are doing now. We are absolutely thrilled that the Alumni Spotlight is now sponsored by New Day USA, and it is absolutely appropriate and fitting that our Alumni Spotlight subject tonight is Admiral Tom Lynch, uh, just a legendary human being, a great American. I can tell you that I am so honored that I've gotten to know Admiral Lynch uh, because he is just one of the most, the finest man I've ever met, a father figure and to so many, a brother to so many. You talk to Roger Stahlbach, Skip Orr. Uh, Tom was the 1963 team captain, the legendary 63 team that went 9-2 and two and played in the Cotton Bowl. Tom was the captain, and to this day, men like Roger Staubach and Skip Orr and so many others say that Tom is, and always will be our captain. Tom, you, that, you, that role of 63 team captain, you've carried it on for life. Can you talk a little bit about what that time meant playing football at Navy and being the captain of that 63 team? And you're the, you're the man who's held that group together all these years.
3: We had uh, been together at South North. Back in those days, freshmen didn't play. So, and uh, predicted to have a 3-7 record. We had a 7-3 record. And then the next year, we started talking about, we were out on cruise together, talking about which uh, bowl we wanted to go to. And, of course, we were kind of up and down throughout the season, wound up with a 5-5 record. So my teammates, classmates, we got together and said, hey, this, this season, we've got to... Uh, Think every uh, all the time, but prepare ourselves, prepare our team to be better. Take it a down at a time, a day at a time, a practice at a time. And that's what we did throughout the season. And we wound up 9-1 uh, and in the regular season, uh, beating Army 21-15 uh, to 15, uh, in that game where we beat them uh, five times in a row. In fact, that was the first game in 1963. This game they did a, they did a replay. Chris Schenkel did the replay of uh, an Army touchdown, and most people thought Army had scored twice, but anyhow, we (laughs) beat them, and then then went to the uh, Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl was uh, kind of an interesting thing. Uh, We went there for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, after our last game of the season, we had two weeks off before Army, which is a normal routine, and then on the 22nd of November, for those of us who – for the age of reason back in those days, you know exactly where you were the moment you were told that President John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. And of course, President Kennedy was uh, our hope, our future, our youth, uh, Camelot, um, everything was going. in Jack, uh, the leaders of our country, and uh, we felt good about ourselves and the nation. And it was just devastating to ha- lose our president that way to, to be assassinated. And so immediately the game was canceled, which we understood. and we. We all went to several of the locker room, and then most of us went over to the chapel and, uh, the game was canceled. It was supposed to be played on the 30th of, uh, November. A couple of days later over the weekend, we got the word that Jackie said, no, the president would have wanted this game to be played. So it was delayed one week to the 7th of December, the day of infamy. But, uh, on the 7th of December, we played the game and, uh, and, uh, and of course, beat Army. That was our drive for five it was our motto. And, uh, and then Texas was number one in the nation. We were number two in the nation. And of course, the president was assassinated in Dallas. So, right after the game, the Cotton Bowl people were there in the locker room, invited us to the Cotton Bowl, and we accepted. And uh, we went out there and uh, played the game on the 1st of January. Uh, we lost that game. But uh, I say to this day, uh, have we played them regular season game? We would have beaten them seven out of 10 times. And that's not sour grapes or whining or anything like that. We were just a different team. Uh, we couldn't right. leave Annapolis until Christmas league started. We all went home around the country on the 20th of December. And on Christmas Day, we flew down to Dallas and it was hot and dry. And uh, just kind of, a, kind of a surrealistic world. And uh you know, luncheons and dinners and a lot of uh, press. And then, boom, we're in the game. And we just put more quite the same team. So anyhow, uh, and then the next day, we're back at, uh, at the Naval Academy, uh, starting the academic year. So yep. it was, a, it was uh, different for us. But anyhow, uh, you asked about you know, what an honor it was to be the captain of the team. And then when we graduated, we had such a love, and we talk about the brotherhood today, we might have been the, you know, the genesis of that because uh, we really had a brotherly love for one another. We've been all through, uh, year together, and all the time at the Naval Academy. And of course, when we were at the Academy, get uh, a you know, weekend off as a senior was a big deal, and uh, so any time out of there was was big. But uh, uh, and I felt the responsibility as a captain to keep the team together, and it was easy during the first four four five six seven years we're all on active duty and johnny side would get married and uh gary Kellner would have a a baby and these type of things this guy got that assignment and uh, i used to write handwritten notes out once a month a newsletter and uh, then xerox them off but now we've got uh with the internet it's so much easier group email so i i i could tell you today where every guy is uh and the widows of those who have passed, uh, kids. And uh, every fifth year, we get together at the Naval Academy. And uh, in the off years, we try to get together at a Navy bowl site or some game in Annapolis or whatever. But uh, it's been uh, a brotherly love that we have for one another. And I did it because it was the right thing to do as a captain of the team. I felt a responsibility to do that to keep everybody together. I didn't want to lose that bond we had of love and brotherhood and uh now we're going into 58 years ago and uh the guys now tell me thank you uh you really kept us together we really appreciate that more so now Our best friends of life have been our uh, guys that we played with and uh and that includes not just the guys that play but the poolies. Uh, The JV, the uh, scout teams, the trainers, the managers, and uh, coaches and coaches' wives. And, of course, we're down to no coaches are left. But uh, Betty Porzano, Rick's wife, is still uh, alive and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful lady that we try to stay in touch with her. But uh, so anyhow, that was was my deal as captain of the team, the greatest honor I've ever had in life. Something I'll always cherish till I die. And, uh, and uh, a guy named Michael Conley wrote a book about our team, the President's team. The country was in such disarray and such shock at Yeah, and that game kind of pulled everybody together. Back in those days, there was no Super Bowl, and uh, there were only four college bowls: one Sugar, Cotton, and Rose. And the Rose we weren't eligible for, but the other three. So it was a big deal to go to a bowl, and then. Uh, pull everybody together with the Army, everybody in the country, 110,000 people in the stands, national TV. And uh, so his book talks about that being the closure. Okay, now uh, we can get on with our lives.
0: Uh. Well, Admiral Lynch enjoyed an incredible 31-year career, at highly decorated. Uh, he had many significant assignments, uh, including Chief Navy Legislative Affairs, commander of the Eisenhower Battle Group during Operation Desert Shield, superintendent of the United States Naval Academy from 91 to 94, and director of Navy staff at the Pentagon from 94 to 95. You're now retired and you're involved with New Day USA. You are executive chairman. I know you do a lot of of spokes work for them. Um, You're kind of the face of the company in many ways. You've been on television commercials. Why don't you just tell us briefly about New Day USA, and we're just so happy and thrilled to have New Day USA sponsoring the alumni spotlight now, but why don't you just quickly, briefly tell us about New Day USA?
3: Well, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, I do it. Uh, we are sponsoring this program because of you, because of Chris. We have so much respect for you, because I know you so well, and all that you've done through the years for Navy Sports and the Capitol newspaper and uh and all that you've been, uh, what you've meant to Navy and to me personally. So it's an honor that we were able to do this. Uh, New Day USA is a mortgage lending company. We do VA home loans only, so we're veteran-centric. We only do active duty and and, uh, and veterans, retired or veterans. Uh, and uh, it's a uh, yeah, I'm pushing eighty. So for me, at my age, at this stage in life, I have the opportunity to go to work with 1,800 26-year-olds. And uh, we do primarily cash-out refi loans. Nine out of 10 of our clients are are enlisted personnel. And uh, so it's just just to be able to help them. If I had all 800 people here from New Day, and I said, how many of you have had a veteran fry on the phone? Every hand would would shoot the air right away. And that's because uh, we feel we do not sell loans. We provide financial solutions to men and women who wore the uniform, made the sacrifices to make possible all the freedoms and values that we cherish in this country. And now they come to us because they need a hand up. They're not looking for a handout. And their FICO score is normally 650, 670, 680. And they'll go to all the money center banks. They'll go to all the other Uh, savings and loans in USAA and NFC, all other places, and the FICO score is less than 690, no one will talk to them. The first words are Admiral Lynch has said, I'm to do whatever I can to help you get that loan. We take care of that that veteran as much as we can. That's what we do. We're very proud of that. And uh, our young people, we feel it's a noble purpose. We're helping people when no one else will help them.
0: That is wonderful, Admiral. And it is a noble mission. And for someone who has covered so many athletes at the Naval Academy you became veterans, and for our producer, Chris Cervello, who is a veteran, we thank you for the service that New Day is providing. We thank you once again for the sponsorship of the Alumni Spotlight. And each week when we will have the alumni spotlight presented by new day USA. So thank you very much for joining us, Admiral Lynch, and we'll look forward to
3: having you on the podcast again. Thank you, Bill, you and Chris, and what you're doing. Love you, man. Take care.
2: That is so cool uh, to get to talk to Admiral Lynch, um, a hero of many, uh, both in Navy football circles, but, um, certainly in larger Navy uh, and life circles. Uh, really cool to have him on the pod, Bill. And even cooler uh, that New Day uh, is sponsoring the Believe in Navy football podcast. Um, so we've got a couple minutes left uh, before we end this podcast. Bill, I- I'm very interested to see what you and Keenan think about, you know, who the quarterback will be and and how that will affect how Navy plays on Saturday.
0: Here's my concern with the full, the quarterbacks. They're completely different players. Ty Lavatai has been described as will-wors Zach Gaby type in between the tackles runner, big guy, throws the ball well. And we talked last pod about Xavier being 5 foot 9 generously listed and Ty 62. So when it comes to the passing game, Ty has an advantage and he throw we, we've been told he throws a better ball. Then Xavier is more of a, you know, he's been described as Malcolm Perry and I've had to say he's not Malcolm Perry cuz Malcolm Perry's in the league because he's got just absolute incredible explosive speed, juke moves, and and quickness. Xavier's not Malcolm Perry, but similar type of game in that he likes to be a slasher. You build the offense around the skills of your quarterback. That's what Navy finally did with Malcolm. In 2018, when things did not go well, Navy ran Malcolm Perry in an offense designed for Will Worth and Zach Avey. That type of offense. They finally redesigned the offense in the, to tailor the skills of Malcolm Perry. My concern is the longer you go without naming quarterback is the longer that you don't get an offensive identity. Your thoughts?
1: So I think watching Houston, it looked like a, a bit more traditional um, triple. I think that the way that they called the game against Houston, um, Will be, will be sufficient and work well for Ty, and then if, if that's the case. And then, you know, the, the, the worst-case scenario is if neither quarterback plays well, and you're just kind of bouncing back and forth between mediocre play, and then you don't have an identity, you don't have a guy. And if that happens, it's going to be a long year. So hopefully, this week, we get some def- definitive answers as far as who's going to take the job over, because that makes the, the coordinator can now This guy does this really well. Let's kind of target toward that without changing what we do. You know, this guy does that. Xavier likes to be in a gun. He's our guy. Let's get some more gun packages. You know, tie. We can run more midline double option between the tackles. Okay, let's do that. You know, I, I think... It's really all dependent upon play. I mean, if if you don't have somebody showing, like if you have mediocre output on offense, if you're not getting the production behind the center that you're looking for, why would you start putting in special exotic looks? We can't even do our regular base day one stuff right. Why are we doing all these gimmicky things? The gimmicky is the sprinkles on the top of the cupcake. You know what I'm saying? It's It's not the cake. The cake is the triple. You know what I'm saying? All the extra sweetness and icing, that only comes if the cake tastes good. You know what I'm saying? So I think we got to bake our cake the right way first. Make sure it tastes good. Make sure it's not burnt. Make sure it's not dry. Get it nice in the way you want to have it. And then we can start doing all the extra, the icings, the sprinkles, the, the gun, the, the different passing concepts. Why would, I, why would I put passing concepts in? We can't even complete our base stuff. You know, These are the things that are going through the, the coordinator's head. Like, okay, you want me to do that? We do it but we can't even do the simple stuff. So let's get our simples. Let's get our basics down first. And I thought that last week we looked really, really good in the first half running our simple and our basic stuff. So let's build on that. Let's put a complete game together. We've shown we can move the ball running our stuff. Let's do that for four quarters and let's find somebody that that's going to take it over and do that consistently week in and week out. Then we start building an offense you can't build an offense for somebody that hasn't taken the starting job, you know.
0: All right folks, so I always have to correct myself when I've made a mistake and Ryan O'Keefe is not the other quarterback. I I was looking at the Central Florida stats and it listed him under the passing stats, but now I realize he's a wide receiver who must have thrown a wide receiver reserve reverse the 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 other quarterback's Quadri Jones. So Brian Newberry believes they could see both backup quarterbacks which would be Mikey Keene, and Quadre Jones, just to clarify. So Central Florida beat Boise State in their season opener. That That's a significant win to me. That tells me they're legit. You're beating Boise State. Uh, they played Louisville tough, lost by a touchdown, and Coach Neomatololo said they should have won that game. And Louisville and Atlantic, Conference, Atlantic Coast Conference School is very good. Um, this would qualify as an upset, but – I feel like Navy can beat Central Florida. Don't tell me Navy can't beat Central Florida on its home field if they play well. Keenan, last word to you before we take it out. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think an upset is well within the realm of possibility. Um and, and the way I look at, you know, I think what coach said about them playing Louisville tough, that's just coach speak because we play we played Houston tough. But, you know, nobody was like, they're not, I can guarantee you like. That that is a coach talk. That's something that they're saying, like, hey, this team's 0-3. They've had two tough games, but they played Houston on the road very tough. You know, saying they're getting better. This is not an easy game. We're on the road. You know, they're having those same conversations. I don't think anything's gonna matter this week because you don't have your guy behind the center. And when you don't have your guy behind the center, man, who knows what you're gonna get? So um this is a prime, prime game to get some confidence on both sides of the ball, get a win at home get the get the the losing droll out of the program and then get some momentum going and start beating some people because they can do it they just have to execute.
0: So Chris Cervello, I think that on our Sing Second Sports podcast when we were talking about this, I believe you said you think Navy can win this game. Do you are you of that still of that belief?
2: Yeah, I I am. Um and this is really the first game that I would thought that. Piggybacking on what Keenan said, I think that The fact that UCF doesn't have their quarterback, the fact that we're trending in the right direction, it's at home, we have nothing to lose. These are the types of games that even when I went to school and and we weren't great like we were when Keenan was there, these are the types of games that we kind of found a way to win. So it just feels like October, uh, this is ours to win. We we get our first win this week. I like that. I like that a lot.
3: I like
0: that. that too. Chris, Velo. and you know what? Chris Velo is um almost unbeatable when betting, and that's why he knew Navy would play better against Houston, which is why he took them to cover, and he won. And now he's picking Navy, so I, I, I like to. He's like Jimmy the Greek Cervello to me. Um, <laughs> so, another great podcast previewing the Central Florida Navy game, three thirty at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium on Saturday. Thank you very much to Keenan Reynolds. We missed Eric Katani; he'll be back on our next episode. Thank you, Chris Savello, and thanks to Tom Lynch and our new alumni spotlight uh, sponsor, New Day USA. We welcome them aboard, and uh, thank you to them for their sponsorship. This has been another edition of Believe in Navy Football. We'll see you next time
2: if you're a fan of the believe in navy football podcast be sure to check out sing second sports
0: wherever you
2: listen to your favorite podcast several times a week special guest bill wagner along with host john Schofield and ward carroll help you stay up to date with the latest in naval academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the naval academy and look at varsity sports club sports and intramurals at the naval academy so be sure to check out
3: sing second sports